Yeah. I see Gordon in here, guys. That's yeah, exciting. That Where's Gordon? Where's Gordon? Yes, right there. We were here during the last segment. We got to sit in on that sportsy treat you gave us there. Well, it was your segment, you know. I know. I know. I enjoyed but, it. But when it starts and... It then becomes the Justin Jefferson segment. <laughs> so we'll talk. Uh... Oddly enough, that's what I had prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the rant reunion right after E News, and the E News is right here. That is definitely not our Twitter handle that you just tweeted out there. Oh, is it not? What I do? Brought to you by All Pro Foundation Repair. <laughs> And here he is, Dave. Hello. Hello. Oh, I forgot to complete it. The hard, the hard line three. <laughs> That's what you guys are. Kind of. You're the hard line three. The hard line three. I mean, this summer. The West Memphis three. <laughs> well, if yeah, sorry you, about some stuff. I want to be two, the hard line. If you wanted to get tickets to Taylor Swift's tour... And you did not get in on the pre-sale. You are SOL, my friend. They shut her down? Well, Ticketmaster has said that due to the extraordinarily high demand, there is an insufficient remaining inventory. And so they have canceled all the public ticket sales that were supposed to happen tomorrow. Unbelievable. Mm. So roughly 3.5 million people signed up as verified fans. They had to pre-register for the pre-sales. Yeah. So you have to be a verified fan to combat bots and brokers and all that. And then during the pre-sale, more than 2 million tickets were sold on Tuesday, the most ever for an artist on a single day. And it crashed or nearly crashed the Ticketmaster website. And people... We're saying that they were in the line, you know, the they have queue. the virtual queue and they, they wouldn't move for hours. So I guess I have to get into Taylor Swift. You don't. I like don't. No, it's fine. Any of her albums. No, she's the most successful female artist of all time at this point, isn't she? She has to be. Yeah. I mean, not record sale wise, but that's a, but she'll be there number eventually. because of, of, uh, yeah, but because of now everything's streamed, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, by all accounts, by what she's doing now, by the fact that she's playing multiple AT&T shows, right? Two, and I think they were so talking about adding, adding another one. And she, she writes or, and co-writes all of her songs. Air yeah. quote, yeah, maybe. Uh, whoa, whoa, wait. I don't know if she does anymore. What? I think she's got a team. I think she has a arsenal of humans that help her out. Yeah, but I guarantee you they stick her name on the co-writing credits. Of course of... they do. She gets to co-write every single song that's there. Mm-hmm. That's part of the deal. I'm not denying her greatness. I just don't Sounds like it. understand it. <laughs> okay. It's okay. You don't well, that, well, I may not understand You're, it either, but at least I should check it out to find out if I probably understand Yeah, it. but neither of you are in her target demo, so it's okay. But there's no target demos to music. Music is either good or it's not. I mean, it's not even that. I should say you either enjoy it or you don't. Here's the problem, though, with Taylor Swift and her fandom right now is that... <laughs> thank you. Is that she's... She's 25. I'm, I'm sorry. She, her, She's like I'm, 35. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Her fans, like, I think top level are between 25 and 30. And so they're, she hadn't toured in five years. And so most of these people are just now getting monies of their own. And they're able to buy tickets. And they're, here are the umpteen million people who don't have to ask dad for, for money anymore. 
and I think it's quadrupled what her normal fan base was, and they just don't have enough. All these kids, and then there's the 15 year olds whose dads are still buying them. It's a she's got it cornered for right. about 30 she, years also, with the women, and she's had like four albums since she's toured. Yes, I mean, that's she's a lot of material. Her album stuff. Yeah, too. she's also re-recording and re-releasing her albums to. I think that's work, that's to, a pretty genius move. On she's her doing part. it as yeah. a workaround because she doesn't own the masters of the original right. recordings. Smart. Yeah. Uh, notable death today still doesn't mean that she is. If if I may, if I were someone who was younger and was going to talk about whether or not she was sexy, mm-hmm. not sexy. She's getting sexier with age. I think. Okay, eight eight eight. Does the top hat change the math for you at all? Mm, no. I mean, she's still an awkward, terrible dancer. Do you like a girl? Yeah, she just doesn't commit to her moves, and she's just kind of. I like, like her. Do you like know. a girl in the top? Really? Hat, she does something for you? Of course. Corby, Corby likes all those arachnid-looking women. Oh, arachnid. Yeah, just all spider oh, arms and legs. Oh my God. And, I don't like those. Yeah, I remember going into his place one time in the nineties, and he had that scene of. Close Encounters when the alien's coming out of the ship at the end and he was just going at himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I he remember that, it. too. I've forgotten about that, but now I remember it. Yeah. Real angular. Yeah. <laughs> She's a little angular, like bony. Like, I'm afraid she'd elbow me. It would hurt. Uh, anyway, this is a focus on her music. We've the, had a notable death. The Holocaust. Oh. Oh, go, this is, uh, I think we did this this morning. Uh, yes. A survivor of the Holocaust, and also Corporal Louis LeBeau from Hogan's Heroes. Robert Clary has passed away. You're nope. effing kidding me. That guy was alive until today? Well, until uh, yesterday. His family on he, the front row here would like you to be a little bit more... He died yesterday. He was alive till yesterday? That old F was Whoa. alive! <laughs> Sucks. He died yesterday at his home in L.A. He was 96. Damn. He's one of the last surviving members of Hogan's Heroes, which... Uh, I heard he was the last He's got to be the member. last. It, well, this story says one of the last. He sure outlived doesn't, Hogan. It doesn't say who else might still be alive. Yeah, remember what happened to Hogan? Yeah. Yeah, got his head bashed in. That's when a, I walked a, into your apartment a, in the 90s. With a tripod. You were watching with a that monopod. Movie. You were watching that movie. I was, was watching like, oh. Bob Crane's snuff film. Oh, God. Him taking it into the cranium. I remember that guy on TV. So Hogan's Heroes started in 65 and aired for more than six seasons on CBS. So 65. And he was what, like 35. What was, what was D-Day? 47, 48? No, D-Day was like in the 1800s. You're off by a okay. century or so, but that's okay. What year was D-Day, Corby? It was 45. 44. 44, 44 was D-Day. Yeah. 44. The war ended so, in 45. So, so, yeah, so 20 years after World War II, they the did Dave a sitcom. really asked was D-Day in 1946. I don't remember. Well, <sighs> direct those questions I wasn't, over I here. wasn't the history major. That doesn't mean anything. Corby was stoned. Uh, yep. He doesn't remember any of the history either. So I guess... Do you remember the picture of Bob Crane that came out? This is where we got the term, the face of determination. Yes. It was so he was seedy. behind some gal with the face of determination. What, where did that come from? Oh. I don't know who released that. But Bob Crane, the Hogan from Hogan's Heroes. Yes. He was really... Uh, he led an alternative wild wild lifestyle. That's why he yeah. died. Yeah, he was killed by a, a jealous, jealous lover. lover. Yeah, like bludgeoned to death, right? Yeah, with a tripod. Yes. 
because he liked to film all the sex acts and everything on that old VTR. I that was always a punchline: is having a VTR. What is that? Uh, that was the recording Video device that he used. Tape recording really? yeah. as we speak. I will say that I don't know the details of the story quite like you guys. Well, what was the movie called? Needs to fill up that Bob's guy. timeline with the Bob. In fact, auto, was it Autofocus? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Autofocus. Oh yeah, Greg Kinnear played him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I never saw that movie, but I remember thinking Greg Kinnear's a good choice. It's a really good movie, but it's so seedy in the end. Willem Dafoe is in it. I think Willem Dafoe may end up being the one that killed him. Oh, his really? character, yeah, and it was just. And Willem Dafoe was just so into Bob Crane and sex and all that, and they were Aww. sex buddies, and they're always doing this around each other. And so, if Bob, comments. if World War Two doing this, <laughs> if World War Two ended in 1945 and Hogan's Heroes went on the air in 1965, does that mean that we're going to get like a 9/11 sitcom soon? Please take your seat. It's not a bad point. The set's beginning. Like Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson based. Right. Where he lost his father in 9-11 and he makes it into a comedy about growing up without a father. I just saved him. I don't think that that would be really 9-11 themed though. That would just be about Pete Davidson's life. That's that true. Seems like it's not really the focus. It's like it would be like a. You're talking about one that's set on 9 11. Yeah, it would and be like, like you do 12 seasons worth. <laughs> it would on be the like, same day. On the day. Yeah, well, they did All six, the funny happenings in the two towers. They, they did six seasons of Hogan's Heroes. So All I'm the saying, people bumping into each other in the smoke. Yeah, you do a reboot you of again? the. Sounds great. You do a Dave. reboot of The Office that's set in one of the towers. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is there like I a, don't think anybody can help you here. I tried earlier. Is there a tree stone? So Robert Clary was born Robert Max Weiderman, and when he was 16, he and his family were rounded up and taken to Auschwitz, where Gordon later ate a candy bar and threw it on the ground, uh, threw the wrapper into the wind. Uh, this uh, misrepresentation is... That's excerpted from a much longer story that... And his parents died in the gas chambers there. Yeah, he was his only... He was the only surviving member of his family that made it through the 31-month detention in the camps. Didn't you say that the food here sucked? What? Like you yelled out... At the Cumulus Cafe? No, at Auschwitz. This sucks. No. Like Milky Way? Who has Milky Way? What is this, nougat? They... (laughs) What is nougat? It was a Toblerone and Toblerone. Oh. <laughs> One of the giant souvenir ones that's four oh, feet long. One of your European candy bars that you like so much. It's just I tried to throw away the container and the wind took it there at the end and I went trying to hurriedly. Chasing get after it, it before it went past it the barbed and, wire. And I apparently wandered into an area I wasn't allowed in. I got yelled at. Hey, stop! Let's just let's move on. It's too um, tense of a story. Pete Davidson. Oh, There's only one person laughing. That's Kanye at that story, and that ought to tell you that you shouldn't laugh at it. Pete Davidson right. celebrated his 29th birthday last night, and he celebrated it with Emily Ratajkowski. Yeah. Yes, he and the 31-year-old model were pictured hugging in a sweet embrace in an apartment in Brooklyn. You know what? Hmm. Let me just say this. Oh, Can okay. I just say this? And now you just say it's it? time for Let Me Just Say This. There is a red flag when it comes to guys or girls okay. who are like this that always have to be in some form of little relationship. 
little relationship. That's Why what these little? are because it will fade out in six weeks and then he'll move on. Well, what's wrong with that? People There's are nothing, allowed to have shorter relationships. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just talking about it's a red flag from the girl's perspective of like, oh, Pete, he's so sweet and Well, maybe funny it's just a hookup, Corby. No, it's not. No, well, she I, expects more. And she said as much when she got uh, divorced from Bear from ESPN. Yes. A source <laughs> said that they have been dating, or sorry, they have been talking for a couple months now, and they really like each other. He just broke up with Kim like a few weeks ago. And Emily thinks Pete is charming and that they have a flirtatious chemistry. He I, must have great game. I want to know, by the way, where you get all these quotes. Where these quotes come from? Where you get who this is, from? Zap to Who it? is quoting Why are you Pete? questioning Dave's sources? No, no, no. I'm questioning the people. The messenger? I'm questioning the people that are being quoted here. Like, no one says that. Dave's like, if someone came up to me, if someone came up to me and said, Why, why is he so, so angry? So what is Gordon, what's he, what's it really like with uh, Cynthia? Oh, he is so smitten. You wouldn't believe how flirtatious he is. No one says that. No guy says that. Okay, but they have well, but, teams but of publicists it, yeah, that but a publicist out there would. for... To keep him, I mean, think about he's Pete in Davidson. love and happy and smiling. What is the thing that Pete David Pete Davidson is known for? His penis. Yes, his dating of these women and his supposed big D energy. <laughs> right. And you don't think that that comes from his publicist and his camp, so to speak. Yeah, you're right. You're right again. That's they're keeping him in the news that way because he doesn't have big projects that are packing theaters or anything like that. Right. What do you guess his net worth is? Thirty. He's probably got two hundred dollars. Thirty mil. So two hundred. me, two hundred dollars and thirty million. Every dollars. one of these women that he's knocking the bottom out of, they're the ones funding his lifestyle. Uh twenty. Eight. Eight million dollars. He ain't worth eight million dollars. <laughs> he's not. He's been in feature films and on SNL forever. I know they don't pay that well. They at don't SNL, pay that but... well on SNL, and he's had how many feature films? Like two. Emily Ratajkowski, also $8 million. Yeah. So neither one has the upper hand as far as money goes. Good. That's, that's the only way that can be a consensual relationship is if they have the exact same money. Right. Me- meanwhile, a man who was linked to Emily Ratajkowski after she divorced from Bear from ESPN, Brad Pitt, <laughs> has stepped out with his new woman. Ooh, I'm interested. Inez de Ramon. Corey wants to know his competition. They hung out Sunday. You're right. Inez. They hung out at a Bono concert in L.A. on Sunday. So he's 58. She is 29. Okay. This is not consensual. She, according to, uh, I guess, her LinkedIn, whoever wrote this, uh, she has a LinkedIn. Stalked her LinkedIn. Is she on the New York City Council District 42, or am I looking up the wrong woman? No. She speaks three languages. She's a certified nutritionist. I, I guess Spanish. And she uh, is the <laughs> vice president girls. of a jewelry company. Mm-hmm. And she used to date Paul Wesley, who was in the Vampire Diaries. Hmm. And he played a... Brad Pitt played a vampire in Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, that was terrible. He was that Interview with, with a vampire. vampire. I said that weird. You did. Interview <laughs> with Is a that vampire. what Herschel Walker was watching? Yeah. Yeah, what was the story with that? I haven't listened to that audio yet. Yeah, you might want to. Vampire Slayer. He sounds real bright. He he found out that... He's our best and brightest. ...that werewolves could kill vampires. He always thought he wanted to be a vampire, but now he wants to be a werewolf. Like, where does Brad Pitt meet these people? Publicist, right? Probably, yeah. Where does Brad Pitt meet people? 
Yeah, it's not like he's going to the bar. Or there's he could. Or there's he's that uh, the bar with all the hot, the hottest women in the world, and he just takes one of them. Okay, what, what's do, the? Do what's, you think that this is the outlier woman, this twenty-nine-year-old woman? Like most girls in their twenties, wouldn't they look at a guy who's sixty and go, "Ew." Yeah, but he's not your everyday sixty. Even if it's Brad Pitt, don't they look at him and go, "Ew"? No, no, not when it's him. I think the world's changed on that. You're wrong. It's going in the other direction. What's the other What's direction? Yeah. More, they're more amenable to the age difference. It, what is the app? Is it Raya? More girls are into back hair than ever it's before. It's like, uh, like, right. like Tinder and Bumble for celebrities and ultra-rich people. Like, look at Norman Mary. He's probably on that. Look at Norman They Mary. met on what app? Norman Mary. All right, we got to get to Bumble? the rant revival next with Gordon Keith. He's a Alright, it's Thursday. It is time for the rant revival. The show that um we did from late 90s to late aughts. Is that right? Boy, yeah, it was like 97 to 2007. <laughs> it doesn't okay. matter. We're forward-looking now. Boy, we sure did, guys. It was a 10-year run of excellence. Many awards were won. Many uh, weekends were ruined by that particular program. So Gordon's with us, and he'll do it every Thursday into perpetuity until we're all dead. So one of the things that we did quite a bit on the rant were, and you can have play some music here, were hypotheticals. Jeez. Somebody, somebody just sent me the Bob Crane death scene photos. Oh, they have those? Oh. Is it horrible? Yeah, whatever this is, is horrible. You want to see it? No. Good. Yes. Is it, <laughs> like, face bludgeoned? Yeah, it's, well, it's... Yeah, it's pretty bad. Does he have a Nikon-shaped hole in his head? Is he naked? <laughs> yeah. Look like Bob Crane, though. Nikon-shaped Well, he was beaten. <laughs> he was beaten with a tripod, so it's... And then they sit there and... <laughs> it's like... He was killed with a digital camera, it looks like. It's like... Oh, that may, may not be him. When you made me look at the Farley... Death. Oh, God. I didn't Stills. make Yeah, you, you did. You Stop. absolutely did. Yeah, you had a subscription to Rotten.com. Stop making <laughs> people look at death scenes, Gordon. I don't. Anyway, please continue, Corby. <clears throat> so, hypotheticals. Let's get away from all this death scene talk that Bob's doing. <laughs> right. That he insists upon. Mm -hmm. Hypotheticals were a big part of uh, the show. And I feel like they're kind of, like, lost a little bit. They were what? so much fun to do, and now they kind of just disappear into the ether and... We don't do them as much. And so every now and then when I think, every now and then when I think of one, I will jot it down. And I have a couple that I've jotted down over the last couple of weeks because I just think about them and they pop into my head and the end. And now there's a place for them again. Do they all start with God comes down? God comes down. Why does every one of his start the same? And he says, would you marry a woman who seemed absolutely 
perfect. She was really into you. She was beyond attractive in your eyes, whatever your ultimate version of that is. So you're being the royal. Yeah, arachnid for me. <laughs> a praying mantis. Eight legs. With a bonnet. Uh, a bonnet. <laughs> Corby's dream girl. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Must she's have a bonnet. super attractive in your eyes. She's got a wonderful, fulfilling job that pays incredibly well. She takes care of you. Mm-hmm. You don't really even have to work, but you do because you like to do it. Um, But her job allows... D- Dave's basically got this, doesn't he? So far, yeah. Check, check, and check. <laughs> uh, but her work allows her still to be with you and maybe potential children. She's an incredible cook. She's got a great family. Everything seems okay. to be perfect. Come Loves on. all the things that you're into. Come on. But, yes, we got it. We have it. But, but God says. Yes. In typical God fashion, he adds the following. Every single night. Right? Now, this is the days are magical. They're wonderful. Right. But every single night, uh-huh. eight times a night. So let's just say on average you sleep eight hours. So this is happening eight times. Okay. All right? Eight times a night, this emits from her. So it's like a grandfather clock. Maybe well, it's the top of the hour. It could be. Is it while you're in bed or just yeah. after business hours? No, it's while you're in bed. It's now. Typically, you would be sleeping. Is it involuntary for her? Yeah. Or is she trying to cough over it? <laughs> no. Could you handle that? It's and no one knows about it. You don't have to say anything, but you do. And she knows that you know. I mean, this is like. Yeah. Is she always asleep or sometimes asleep, sometimes awake? Don't know. And what's the stink factor? Okay, don't play it eight times. So, (laughs) four more to go. This is so childish. Is this in sickness and in health? Yeah. Sounds more like sickness than health. So, A, would it wake you up? Let's start there. Would you? I mean, clearly it would. Well, you're allowed earplugs. You're allowed earplugs. No, you're not. No, that's part of it. You are not. (laughs) Really? Because I'd be going to bed dressed like going to the gun range every night. (laughs) Goggles, everything. Ham. Ham, stop it. I'm demanding it. There's no way that's real. And and it's with the punctuator. (sighs) So after it's all done, you're waiting like a second and a half and then... So you're in mid-stroke and that happens, you just have to wait? Whoa. Dave. What? I mean, yeah. In your marital bed. Wait, you're saying you're doing that while she's sleeping? No, you are enjoying love with your wife, but it's it's the top of the hour. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't time it right. Finished, yeah. <laughs> okay, that could be part of it if you're, if God, you're doing you're just, that late into the you're evening. You're hurrying up just with your eye over <laughs> on the clock. Yeah. You can't do it, though, because you know what's coming. It doesn't flip over to straight up midnight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At that point. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I'd take it. It, You would? You would? Sure. Wait, you would keep going with the act of love? No, No, he would take the the hypothetical. He would take take the the woman. I would take the deal. Mm. Mm. Could you? 
No. Stop no it! No way. I am take the committing my life to the monastery. Ham. Okay, stop it. Cam doesn't know what subtlety you is. You need to know no, what hit and run is all that about. That was eight. Okay, good. You couldn't do it? No. No, it's I don't think Davey woman. could either. It's, Davey's lying over there. Yeah, but you would get Davey's tired of playing her radio every night. And you're like, oh my God, we gotta go to bed. And you can't take like sleeping medications or CBD or anything to help you fight through it. But again, and in the yeah. daytime, it's everything is perfect. My bed would just be call and response. Oh, see, Dave also. Apparently, she's gotten the same hypothetical. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it would leave you more open to do that as well. You would feel a freedom, a certain amount of freedom. Yeah, so Dave, you wouldn't feel or, any guilt or, whatsoever. No, or, or no. competitive. Yeah. Volley one back. Yeah. Right, it's competition. <laughs> We'd just be Dutch ovening each other all night. <laughs> but she may not, she may be sleeping through it all. She may not have any memory of it. It's just what she does. While she's lying there next to you. Yeah. The perfect woman. You? I'm in. Bob? I I feel like we never got good clarification on how fumigated we're going to be from this. Uh, It's not terrible, but it's there. It's like... It's like when you cut the grass. Like six and a half. It's like when you mow the yard and you run over a pile of dog crap, and it's just kind of that weird smell. Oh, well, that, that actually me. sounds very unpleasant, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to go to sleep and it smells like mulch dog feces, <laughs> or does it kind of smell like dinner but with crap mixed in? Oh, it depends. Please. I think I enjoyed talking about the Bob Crane death photos more than this. <sighs> yeah, was, right. was this the deal that Mare Bear made? <laughs> right. Un- unknowingly, yes. Okay, number two. So yes. to speak. Would you be the celebrity of, take your pick of, look, Taylor Swift's a good example. All right. Of the top yes. of the celebrity food chain, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you're basically the biggest star, one of the biggest stars, one of the ten biggest stars on the planet. You're worth billions of dollars. You're adored. You're loved by billions of people. You're critically acclaimed in whatever art that uh, you choose to be in. You have everything. You're uh, happily married. Everything's great. But at some point (laughs) over the next 30 years, Mm. you're going to have a family member. Okay. And we'll call it a distant family member, which counts as second cousin or beyond. But you definitely know them. Or a great aunt, someone of that stature. An in-law, maybe. At some point over the next 30 years, one of them is going to have an alien pop out of their chest. Like in the movie Alien. Yes, I take that. You would. What's the downside? What's the upside? You're saving a relative if you, but not a close one. Yeah, no, it's not. No, I mean, obviously, but I have. Would not, you take like the, Brad Pitt's life? Yeah, not one you've seen since like you were kids. Uh, no, you see them on a let's say a semi-annual basis. So once like every once every year. couple years. Yeah, but yeah. they're they're not going to survive this, of course, because it's an alien coming out of their chest. Yes, and it's going to be like at the Thanksgiving table. You may be there. You may be like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> here it is. And really, you're. <laughs> 
the only thing you have to actually do is kind of act like you didn't know it was coming. Yes. yes. You have to you gotta be feign what? shock. What is happening here? I don't understand. <laughs> As is, that an, is that an alien coming out of the chest? As you're flying around in your private plane, you have to fake that you didn't know your third yeah, cousin like was going to die. Great Aunt Gertrude or whatever. I they, think everyone takes that. Yeah, this isn't a very hard yeah. one. Yeah. Okay, what about? What, 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 about? Do you, what, what do you do with the alien after it comes out of the chest? You have well, to marry it. You have to marry it. What about? It has a little bridle. <laughs> God, that's the actual sound. <laughs> it, it comes out with something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. So I'm glad you answered that way. Now let's back it up to close relative. Okay. Parent, yeah. sibling. Yeah. I know you'd but kill, I I have, know you'd kill your but brother. I still have great life. I still have yes, a great life. Yes, you have a kick-ass life. Wife? Yeah, what if it's the wife that does the stepbrother's fart eight times a night? <laughs> There's no way I would do that. Well, okay, but you would to a distant relative? Yes, because it's their fault for not being so close to greatness. Would you? Well, you're a all, close relative. You're, yeah, you're all adopted yeah. though, so it doesn't really count. No, all yeah, adopted. I, uh, Dave, I would like to apologize on behalf of the show I too. It does count. <laughs> Gosh, just think. Yeah, adoption like adoption has touched most of the people in this room. It's an important thing. And Corby thinks it's for jokes. Shut up. <laughs> Corby thinks it's for jokes. Well, okay, do you ever stop and think that maybe uh-huh. jokes like that may offend Dave? They don't. Who grew up a fake kid. Yes. Dave. You are normalizing anti-adoptionism. Yes. He just called you a fake kid. Don't look I, at me. I was. He understands that I'm coming from a I good was. place. Oh, a, a place of what? Honesty? Of, uh, no, of learning. I'm learning trying, trying to learn. What I'm trying he le- to learn. You're trying to learn by yes. calling him a fake kid. Well, I don't that know That is part the of your learning it. process. I don't know the term It's called word. adoptive child. Okay. Not fake kid. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are sorry, because I would not do that to any of my oh, distant okay. relatives. Oh, it's so easy for you or, to say that. Or yeah, why get everybody's papers turned in, and then you go ahead and grandstand. Or what if it is like, you don't tell anyone, and it's like, you sign the deal, and then you're sitting there having dinner, and your wife starts going, mm. night one. A little dyspeptic here. Yeah. I don't know. And you're, <laughs> yeah, first. And you're like, okay, get it over with. <laughs> win, win. <laughs> like, night one. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I thought I was going to have to wait 30 years. <laughs> you just keep eating. And like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what to do. He'll have a new kid, uh, new mom soon. <laughs> Wife four. How are we going to clean this up? Oh, man. All right. There you go. There's your hypotheticals. I want to hear how you explain to the cops when they end up at the house. Meanwhile, the aliens already skittered out the sliding glass door. <laughs> right, as you're just counting your yeah. money. That's I an swear, exit wound. I swear an alien just came out of her. <laughs> Sir, wearing put your hands a, behind your back. Wearing a bridal veil. <laughs> All right. Great Fest is next. I am Jesus Christ. All right, here's Dave with Great Fest. Dave. 
Yes, and uh, we intended to do this last week because this was a, a brand new release last week, but we decided to push it to this week in the interest of time efficiency last week. But it's still very fresh, and it was a homework assignment for the entire Hardline show, and as I understand it, also seen by our guest who continues to loiter loiter, loiter yeah. in the studio, Gordon Keith. I'm trying to wait for the worst of the traffic to go away. Gordon. He's so, answering his fan mail. I speak of the brand new Hulu documentary entitled God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. And it is uh, directed by Billy Corbin, who is a favorite of Corby's. Yeah. He did, in 2018, he did Screwball, which was about the MLB doping scandal and Alex Rodriguez. And then in 2021, he did the uh, TV miniseries, docu-series, Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami. Yeah, mm. and the original documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, which there were two parts of that, are the, the first one especially is maybe uh, my favorite documentary ever made. The guy's brilliant. Wasn't he in Smashing Pumpkins, too? That's Billy Corgan. Yeah, Billy Corbin. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Billy I just Corgan. Say that's good. Spot. This is Billy right Corbin. There. Yeah. Yeah, and so the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty is speaking of Becky Falwell and Jerry Falwell Jr. and their dynasty at Liberty University, which is the alma mater Go ahead, Bob. of Bob Sturm. Indeed. Have you seen it yet, Bob? I have. But, of course, on a certain level, I lived it in real time. Ooh, really? So you had interaction with Becky Falwell? No, no. I, uh, <laughs> he was the other boy. No, but I had much interaction with the uh, departed father Falwell. So you what did. Jerry, Jerry Sr. What years were you at Liberty? 90 to 94. And Jerry Jr. Was, was not. Was Jerry Jr.? Yes. Yeah. He wasn't there yet. He wasn't there. Okay. He was like at UVA Law School or something. Yeah, so I think it's interesting that you had, you're talking about you actually had personal interaction with Sr.? Very much so. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, he called into the show one year on the birthday show. Uh, I, you know, he's a uh, very sportsy guy. And so his dream was always having Liberty work its way up to Notre Dame levels of sport and projected as such. And so when, uh, there were football games or basketball games, he was always pretty nearby and, uh, you, know, you by name. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. In fact, uh, his bit as we would be doing a basketball game on the radio. His bit would be to walk behind you and put his hands around your neck and just shake back and forth for like three seconds while you're in mid-sentence. And, of course, it would sound hilarious, I'm guessing, but he just got a kick out of he could do whatever he wanted. Strangling students. Yeah. Yeah, but playfully strangling. Huh. I Back to you, Dave. Good dude. Playfully. In a good way. In a loving way. This is yeah. So what what year did he take over as president of Liberty? Uh, well, Jerry Senior died, I think, in two thousand eight, and the line of succession pretty much, I guess, had everybody looking at Jerry Junior. Which is weird because he never wanted the gig. Which is weird because for a million reasons, uh, he was not cut out for that. But as we know, the chance to be somebody, the chance to be a celebrity and a star was too much for him to pass on. I think it's more than that. I think it's the power that he really probably wasn't aware of the amount of power that he would wield, right? right. Yes, and the amount of money that Jerry Sr.'s death 
could generate. And make no mistake, before Jerry died, they weren't doing well. They weren't doing unbelievably well. And in the, I think, 12 to 24 months after Jerry died, everybody is sending money to Liberty, who, you know, is, is involved in the faith, I suppose, to, to try to keep that thing going very well. And of course, they had an abundance of money and that corrupted things to very the high levels, level. as the documentary will show. Yeah. And, and so, and so that was the thing is once Jerry Jr. takes over Liberty, it's the university is going extremely well. They have this huge endowment. They have all these donors and they keep building out the facilities and making the you campus bigger and bigger and better and better. And largely due to Jerry Falwell Jr., right? Because right. he did have some sort of business acumen beyond being a sleazeball. So I would, he, was a, he was an attorney. He was a real estate developer. But I would say his biggest method was my daddy died. Jerry just died. You don't want this to all dry up into the desert, do you? We really need you to help. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he was playing he had, the heartstrings. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, in addition to growing the university and growing the legacy of his dad, he also was living the high life with his wife Becky, who he met when they were both very young. She was even younger than him. I think she was thirteen Jesus. when they met. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they weren't dating then, but right. when when she became seventeen, eighteen, they started dating. They were married soon after. He was in law school. I think she was at Liberty at the time. Yeah, and so and they, he knew her older sister. Yes, they had been together forever. But evidently, by the way, do we need to explain who Jerry Falwell Senior is? I think we've been just assuming I mean, that people the, know. He's the leader the, of the moral majority, yeah. right? The original televangelist. In yeah, my he eyes, was, he was the. I remember when I was a kid, he was always on TV. Yes. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, like faith and politics mixing, he—he's the guy. I don't want to say he's ground zero, but very he close to. I, to me, he's patient zero in that whole thing happening. Yeah, yeah, he he really helped launch Ronald Reagan's political career. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And he jumped on the abortion train, but I I say yeah, this, he, he created that as a, tent, a political a, movement, a political tentpole. Yeah. I say this carefully because obviously uh, a number of things have been attached to him, and and many of them uh, properly, I suppose. But I always saw Jerry Senior as earnest and sincere, and thinking he was doing the right thing, despite yeah, the racism so and the homophobia. He, he was a segregationist at first, and he was obviously long a before long and, before I showed up there a segregationist. By the time I got he there, he created liberty. Your 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 view, your experience, my personal experience, your personal experience personal. was he was a kind old man he was at least earnest and sincere in, in what he did and his son unlike uh, and i think what you're doing easy is to identify as a complete con man who doesn't even really care about god or the faith or no the bible like and, you know and i think you're he, right he might this. call it two corinthians for instance i think that you can <laughs> contrast jerry falwell with say a uh, jim baker or jimmy swaggart and those guys robert tilton for sure Many are con men. Much yeah, more con he, man he wasn't, than Jerry He wasn't a dyed-in-the-wool grifter. He was. I don't believe he was. He was at all. trying to build his church and push the uh, moral compass of the nation in the way he thought it should go. It's just some of his views were misinformed. Yeah, there's no misinformed, doubt. But I'm saying completely wrong. I'm saying yes. his fundraising was not for air-conditioned doghouses. His fundraising was to further the cause. Right. Okay. So. And he also divided our country and gave us basically what we have going on right now. Yeah. In a certain, yeah, for yeah, sure. He was, he 
The lineage started comes straight that. He from started him. that. So in 2012, as Jerry Jr. and Becky are living their jet-setting life, they like to go on vacation to Miami. And one of their favorite places to stay is the Fontainebleau Hotel. And at the Fontainebleau Hotel... You're saying that weird. Fountain Blue. Fountain Blue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fountain Blue. It's spelled Fontaine, but it's Fountain. Whatever. Okay. Let's not bog it's, on that Dave, it's, it's possible you've never stayed there. It's true. And, I yeah. have not. I've not and, been to and, South and, Beach. It's lovely. Those of us Dave. who have... And so there was a 20-year-old pool boy that worked there named Giancarlo Granda. And Giancarlo Giancarlo. Do you want to do, you want to do the story? <laughs> Go ahead. John. So Becky is taking pictures of him. Yeah. Just creep shotting him. Yeah. And he goes over and talks to her. And, She's wearing a bikini poolside. Yeah. And, and she talks to him and says, hey, uh, you know, why don't you meet my husband and maybe we can string something together. Well, that's not the way she pitched it at first. She yeah. just said that older women, you need to not be with younger women. You need to be with an older woman who will teach you. The ways and you know uh, we could go up to my room and then after she had hooked him in that way she said oh and there's one other thing my, my husband wants to watch from the papa's on chair in the corner wearing nothing but gold toe socks so let's listen to giancarlo and his description of the first encounter. Let's talk about cuck theory. Oh. Ultimately, it's a guy who likes to watch. I'm fulfilled on a sexual level by watching my wife with a Cuban stallion. <laughs> I kept looking back, and I saw him like in the corner. He was trying to hide. He didn't want himself being exposed or anything. He just wanted to observe the situation. I wish the husband wasn't there. That would have been a better situation. That's what I was telling myself at the time. As a horny 20-year-old, I'm like, I'm going to block this out. I'm going to have sex with this cougar. Instantly, like there was this connection. She was staring at me. I could tell that she obviously wanted to do this again. Yeah, so she falls in love with him right off the bat. Which, by the way, how many times have they tried that or executed that move before him? Hundreds? Who knows? Yeah. That wasn't their first go-around, man. I don't think it was their first go-around, but I don't know that they had had many of these that were nearly as involved in this one. That stuck? Yeah. There may have been one-nighters. Yeah, because they had said that they... They They had been to a swingers club. They went to a swingers club, and it was too public for them. They wanted something that was more discreet, so they needed to find a young Cuban stallion that they could have on a leash. And and, yet control. and, And how they got him on a leash... Is because Jerry Jr. is a businessman of some repute. He looped Giancarlo into a business deal and they bought a hostel there in Miami. So let's listen to that. About 11 months after meeting them, we're closing on a $4.65 million commercial property. It just felt like I was living in a movie. It just didn't feel real. I'm like, why am I here? Why am I a part of this? Imagine the first property you own is a four and a half million dollar property. I saw it as a big opportunity to learn, to grow within business. It was tough to turn down. Okay, so how did the deal break down? Who was the principal in name? It wasn't Jerry. He didn't want his name anywhere near that deal with the 20 year old pool boy. So he put it in Becky's name. At this point, my dreams are coming true. I can see how I can make that first million. How do you keep Giancarlo on a leash going to business with him? And Jerry was looking at keeping his wife happy at that point. Where she was happiest was when Giancarlo Granda was 
So and that's Lewis Black talking. Who is that? No, he's he's a uh, investigative journalist, I believe. Oh. Yeah, was the, he a BuzzFeed guy? Or yeah, yeah. Like he that? was yeah. one of the guys who uh, kind of was involved in the case, cracking the he case all along. Yes, and so uh, let's skip ahead to cut five. So he uh, Giancarlo ends up being part of the Falwell's inner circle, and they introduce him as a young man who they are trying to mentor. He's underprivileged and. Uh, he's being taught uh, all of these financial tools, and they're trying to lift him up as part of their ministry. Meanwhile, they're doing stuff behind closed doors, and they're always like, "Where's Becky?" Well, she's in, she was in the other room. With she's him. in the other room with him, and they had an agreement they could do it anytime they wanted, as long as they videotaped it so Jerry could watch it later. God, <laughs> comments, Bob. Uh, it's pretty sick. Yeah. So meanwhile, those are my comments. We're we're leading up to 2016 and Trump running for president, and he is looking for the evangelical vote, and he is working Jerry for his uh, endorsement. Endorsement, right? And so, meanwhile, the hostile deal, the real estate guys that were friends of Giancarlo's. They end up suing because they want a bigger piece of the deal. They were supposed to just get a commission. They end up trying to shake them down because they know there's something going on with the Falwells. And so through Jerry Jr.'s relationship with Trump, Michael Cohen gets involved. Becky called me. I told her I was stressed out. I want no part of this. I'm, <laughs> I want out. Oh, the lawsuit? Don't even worry about it. We called her friend Michael Cohen, and he's going to take care of those guys that are suing us. Never gonna go public. We're in good hands. Whenever you need something to go away or get settled or any sort of legal dispute to be uh, resolved, then uh, people within Trump's orbit they would reach out to Michael Cohen. After Michael Cohen intervened, it seemed like our problems just went away. The Fernandezes and the lawsuit just vanished. You know, and it did for a while at least. So at that point, now. Michael Cohen has the goods on Jerry Falwell Jr. Right. and Giancarlo Granda. And so it's amazing how this goes because they end up turning on Granda and trying to throw him under the bus. They're, the Falwells did. The Falwells did. And then he fights back, and then Jerry throws oh, Becky under the bus. Yeah, oh, it was the... Um that to me was the most disturbing element of this is that when it came down to it, Jerry Falwell Jr. just said, my wife had an affair on me and I'm, and I forgive I'm the her. victim here, but yes. I forgive her. And But then he gets ousted from Liberty when he calls into a show drunk to hammered ex- to my, ex- my former station in Lynchburg. Really? And my former producer was the host. No yeah. way. Because yeah. you remember there was the photo wow. of the girl with her pants unbuttoned right. and Jerry Jr.'s pants unbuttoned. Which and he Instagrammed out. Yes. Jerry Falwell Jr. Instagrammed this pic of him with his pants it's unbelievable. the front open right. with another woman. I mean, God forbid the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. We just scratched the surface. It's so creepy. It will bring a, a lot of Trumpian flashbacks. So if you're triggered by that, maybe don't watch it. But well, the scandal is amazing. Well, what's amazing is that, the, to me, the biggest takeaway from all this is that his dad was so influential in politics that he got Reagan elected, which was huge, a huge turning point for the country. And then his son, in his own weird way, helps get Trump elected 100%. because he gave him the evangelical vote. 
Yeah, and it's, started it's Christ- unbelievable that he each started- generation of the Falwell family changed American history so much. And that started Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Right there. He did a bunch. Great. Good stuff. All right, Dave, thank you very much. That's, that's we'll Corby's do- comment. Uh, we are uh, done here, and uh, stars are next. Florida Panthers. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Oh.